Hi, my name is Poppy, and I'm going to read you a bedtime story about three white lions who transform themselves into human young women. In this story, the President of the United States calls them in to help with a serious big problem. So get comfortable, snuggle in, and here we go. Chapter 1. Snow was falling, creating a curtain of quiet that brought the edge of the world oh so close. It was Christmas night, and the man sitting at the resolute desk in the Oval Office had his head in his hands. The desk was where he sat. The desk where he sat was one that Queen Victoria gave to another president in 1880. But this president did not stop to appreciate its beauty because he had so many problems on his hands. He needed help. Just then he raised his head and looked as if he had come to an important decision. Mr. President reached under his desk and pushed the secret button. Not many people knew about it or what it did. Carolyn and John John, President John F. Kennedy's kids, used to play under their father's desk when they were little. They are the ones who rediscovered that button. Imagine President Kennedy's surprise when that happened. So what exactly does the secret button do? On top of the desk, that the president was sitting at on the right side, a concealed drawer opened, then slowly moved the object inside higher and higher until it was level with the rest of the desk. The beauty of the old rotary dial telephone rested right there. It was a white Minnie Mouse phone from the 1930s. That is almost a hundred years old, a whole century. Minnie is sitting on the phone with a red and white polka dot bow in her hair and on her dress and the bright yellow shoes. She looks just too cute. Our president paused for a brief moment. Then he reached for the handset receiver that was placed right upon her head and put it to his ear. His hand had a slight tremor, causing him to be uncertain about what would happen next. And they shook a little as he dialed the secret numbers. He waited, wondering if he had done the right thing. A young woman answered, and he could hear chimes gently tinkling in her background. She said, yes, Mr. President. Hello, Barbara. How is your day going? Barbara immediately recognized the deep worry in the tone of the president's voice and was alarmed. She said, do you want me to get the others so that they can hear too? Relief flooded his voice. He said, yes, Barbara, that would be wonderful. Barbara relaxed. That was the way she sent the two other telepathic message for them to come immediately. Just like the Aboriginal people who lived in Australia did, 
one upon one time when they were hunting, but more about that later. She heard the others come to the edge of their magical home where Barbara sat as a gatekeeper. They lived in a wild, untouched timber on a little creek in eastern Kansas for more years than we know. Natural grapevines as big as a man's wrist reach from the golden-leaved-colored floor and then rose up until the golden-filtered light all the way, 40 feet and beyond, amidst the walnut and cottonwood trees. The air was perfumed with the smell of unhusked walnuts and ripe pawpaw fruit. Barbara and her two sisters were white lions, which is rare, but each of these three had a very unique and very special powers. They used to, them to fight wickedness and, yes, worse. The other two, Susan and Gloria, had been doing their work. They accomplished that by lying quietly, receptively, relaxing in the giant cottonwood tree with heart-shaped leaves twice as big as an adult's hand, just waiting to receive information. The tree was over 13 feet across from one side to the other. At night, they all went into the cozy rooms inside of their tree to eat and rest. These white lions were vegetarians, which is quite surprising for a lion. Normally, lions eat just meat. But today, they heard Barbara's urgent message and rushed outside through the golden cast woods with the leaf-strewn floor and to the desk where she sat. They stood there waiting. After a brief moment, Barbara looked up and transformed herself into her lion self. She said very seriously, the president of the United States is in serious trouble and he needs our help. The one in the middle, Gloria, said, let's go. Susan nodded her assent too. They moved quickly down the hall of memories to the curtain of tears. As they approached it, they could feel the swirling energy all around them it was rather pleasant. Gloria glanced at each of her sisters and asked them, are you ready? In unison, they responded, yes. The white lion squared their shoulders and stepped through. It was not a door, but the brightly lit curtain of tears. The president looked up to see them enter the Oval Office, three beautiful white lionesses. He never could get over their transformation. It was as if each lion reached into, lioness reached into her body and pulled out a human being. Barbara is a tall black woman of Eastern European descent between Russia and Germany. Her skin is light black and she has high, fine cheekbones. But her eyes are so startlingly bright green and so captivating that it's hard to look away from them. She stood on the left side. Susan is a smaller Asian woman, Asian American woman with stunning purple eyes. They are so intense we can't even see the pupil. And her hair is gray, but she's not old. 
And even though she's smaller than the other two, she is an equally powerful warrior. She stood on the right side. Lori was in the middle, clearly the leader of a small troop with pink hair. She stood proudly between her sisters. Her blue-green eyes took in everything in the Oval Office while she waited for the president to speak. She noticed several busts in the Oval Office. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert Kennedy were the great civil rights leaders. They, their busts sat on the fireplace. There was one of Rosa Parks, the woman who refused to go to the back of the bus and give a white man her seat. Then there was one of Eleanor Roosevelt too, our most powerful first lady. And there was also one of the famous union labor leader, Cesar Chavez. Then Gloria noticed the sculpture of a Chiricahua Apache man riding his horse. His tribe owns over 1 million acres in Southwest New Mexico and Southeast Arizona. She saw a painting on of that great scientist and politician, Benjamin Franklin. George Washington and Abraham Lincoln set quality in their paintings. Interestingly enough, a bust of Daniel Webster was there because he defended the Union. Gloria wondered where the president's problem now had anything to do with defending our democracy once again. It would not be the first time. Our president had watched as they transformed themselves into young women. He paused, cleared his throat, and said quietly, I am really glad that you're here. Gloria asked him very seriously, what can we do for you, Mr. President? The president gathered his thoughts and said, ladies, the United States of America is in big trouble. That's the end of chapter one and chapter two will follow next week on, on Sunday evening. There's a copyright notice, all reserved, all rights are reserved by Gloria Christie 2021 against any reproduction of this content. And I'll say good night. See you next week. Mm -hmm.